welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Good to have you at church today. Uh, many of you I know may be your first time. Uh, my name is uh, Buck, and I have the privilege of serving uh, as the lead pastor here at Connection. And so, man, before we get going, obviously talking about uh, heart and soul and what that means, man, we have calls for celebration. We have four people uh, that have said yes to Christ and are taking their next step uh, to be baptized today. Can we just go ahead and give God a hand for that? Um, and man, really, that's, uh, we get fired up about that because that's what we're about. Uh, we believe that we exist to connect people uh, to a growing relationship uh, with Jesus. And so what this series uh, is all about um, is what does it mean uh, to be heart and soul? And so you may be thinking, well, what the heck is heart and soul? Well, uh, heart and soul is the title uh, we give our members, right? And so um, we're not super crazy uh, about that word member because it does uh, kind of feel exclusive, but rather uh, we call our, our folks heart and soul because we're not interested uh, in a long list of people of like, hey, look at all the people that go to our church. No, we want to be partnered with people, heart and soul with Jesus and heart and soul of what God's called us to do uh, here in the earth right here in Dublin. Amen. Uh, so that's why we talk about that. Well, if you missed last week, uh, I really kind of laid that out of where that comes from in Scripture. Uh, everything we do here, uh, we do guided by the Word of God. And it comes from a, a passage in 1 Samuel 14, 7. And what we learned uh, last week is that in that case, heart and soul, what it looked like is moving in faith, unified together, Toward a worthy mission. Hear that again. It is a unified group of people moving in faith together toward a common mission and a worthy mission. See, all throughout history, uh, the church is never was never designed to be a place to go, uh, an hour to sit through. Uh, no, it's for all history designed to be a movement of people, right? And what we know about movements, uh, it's that it's people moving, uh, taking next steps. And so um, that's what we talked about last week. And then uh, today, we're going to be talking about being heart and soul with Jesus, okay? And really for the next two weeks, uh, talking about what it means to be heart and soul with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, you can go ahead and open those up to Romans chapter 3. We'll be starting in verse 9. Uh, Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 9. So, um, in talking about this, I want to open up uh, transparently with uh, a story of when I began to learn what heart and soul with Christ looked like. And let me just say, today, the next two weeks, uh, maybe two of the most important weeks uh, really in the history of our church, because really everything we do here is not about making a great name for ourselves or, or having a big church or having a good church. Literally everything we do here, it's all about Jesus. Everything we do is all about Jesus. This message that I'm about to share is the why of everything we do. And so when I encountered that a relationship with Jesus, or I'm sorry, a relationship with God is all about Jesus, um, I was a college student. And so growing up, uh, I grew up um, a, a, a kid. I started out going to First Methodist Church. 
um, and was pretty, pretty involved in that church. Uh, in fact, I was one of the alkalites. If anybody's familiar with alkalites, uh, I, man, I, I like lit the candle, put the candle out. And so you feel pretty cool and you got these white robes. And so you look pretty super Christian up in there, all right? Um, so man, there was, there was destiny for goodness early on, little eight-year-old buck with his alkalite candle. But anyway, um, we, we went to the Methodist church, me and my, my younger brother, Brian, who's about three years younger than me. Um, we, we've always been pretty close, pretty tight. We, 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 um, we did a lot of uh, sports together and we're just close. Well, um, when we got up about eight or nine years old, uh, there wasn't a whole lot for younger people there at the time. And my parents felt best to move us to the Baptist church. Well, when you move to the Baptist church, uh, you got to get baptized, right? Because you're going to the Baptist church. Um, and man, like, I don't even remember a lot about them talking to me about a relationship with Jesus, but they're like, hey, if you're going to be a member here, you got to be baptized. And so um, for those getting baptized today, I'm with you because when I got baptized the first time, it was in February in my pool, all right? Um, and so the, the pastor evidently wanted to see if I was legit or not, right? Um, and so I got baptized and and from there, my, my brother and I, we, we lived a pretty good life. And what I mean by good is a pretty morally uh, good life. Um, we, like, very rarely got in trouble at school. My, my dad was a, a great dad, a, a good disciplinarian. My mom, uh, very servant hard, very loving. We grew up in a, a solid home. And, and they took us to church pretty frequently, right? Like, we went to church. We behaved in school. Uh, my, my dad spent a ton of time with us. We were going to be good at athletics because he'd spent a lot of time investing in that. Um, and so we go on, and, and I remember even speaking at FCA events. And, and uh, I was a good kid, so therefore it was labeled, man, that's a, a Christ follower because he goes to church and he does some good things. He's not the kid uh, uh, doing bad things at school. And so um, we kind of largely lived this way. And I would have called myself um, a Christian, right? And what a lot of people around me like saw us as, as Christians, me and my younger brother. So we kind of had the good church kid uh, sort of thing going on. But then that thing came to a stop when I was 20 years old. Uh, I got a call from my younger brother who uh, unfortunately was, or, or fortunately for him, not for me, uh, was a better athlete and he was smarter than me, right? Um, and so uh, he was getting ready for his senior year, already a three-time state wrestling champion, um, number eight in his class, looking at schools, thinking about the future. And he calls me, he says, I got to talk to you right now. And we go down uh, and, and meet. We used to have a room in a basement, really sweet. But anyway, um, he says, Bradley, uh, Caitlin, my girlfriend, she's pregnant. And that was a showstopper moment. That was a showstopper moment. Because see, in good families, that's what sinners do, right? That's not what Christians do. Like, like this, this good image, this bubble just got blown up in a moment. And man, I, I was like, man, I don't know. He's like, what am I going to tell my dad? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Good luck, right? Um, so, so this thing starts, this, this, this thing happens that blows up this good person uh, kind of bubble that now uh, sin is being exposed for everyone to see. And let me say about this good guy lifestyle, um, I, I could give the right actions in that one more time, right? Like I, my image, but see, I knew my heart in private. Hear that one more time, right? Like I could keep this bubble publicly, but I knew my heart, my desires, and my sin privately that only me and God knew. 
And I knew something wasn't right about that, but here, man, this thing just got put on display for our whole community to see. And man, what I watched happen from there is um, my, my brother who, like I said, good, solid guy, man, he became very bitter. Um, they got married uh, right after senior year. He won his fourth state title uh, with a few-month-old son. Um, they got married, and things looked okay to start with. Uh, but about a year later, things got really, really bad. Um, he became very, very bitter. Uh, they became very, very bitter toward each other, right? As you would think most 18-year-olds uh, that have to get married and have to raise a child, right? Um, and so, um, uh, like, they get very bitter. And I remember specifically, like, my brother yelling at her and, and, uh, and, and just cursing and just bitterness. And then one day, uh, he started a Bible study with a young man uh, that summer. And uh, he didn't, like I said, they were both college students. They just opened the Bible and read. And he left my brother with one gospel track by, da by uh, David Platt and uh, left for the summer. So my brother's going to school at East Georgia. He's going to school at Georgia. And uh, my brother pops in this track, like I said, in the middle of uh, just a very tumultuous time. Um, again, we both still have this good guy image. And he hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on that road, on the way to school, he is overcome with the, the goodness of God, of what it means to have a real relationship with Jesus. He blows off that test, drives all the way to Athens, meets with his friend that met with him for Bible study, and he gives his life to Jesus Christ. Now, I'll never forget this voicemail, because that was a showstopper, right, when this, this bad thing happened and it blew up. Well, um, I, was, uh, I was at Georgia Southern playing intramural dodgeball. How cool was I, right? Intramural dodgeball. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so I got a voicemail after the game, and I'm probably getting ready to go to Thirsty Thursdays. I'm out from my parents' house, and now I can just go live in sin. That's what you do in college, right? I'm about to go get lit up. And, uh, and so I remember getting this voicemail and from Brian, and all the voicemail said was, Bradley, that's my real name for those that don't know, uh, my wife and one guy in our church calls me that. But anyway, he says, Bradley, I met Jesus today. I got saved, and I needed to let you know. And man, this thing happened to me where I'm like, whoa, time out, Brian. Like, we grew up the same way. Like, we, we grew up in the same house. Like, me and you are, like, the same. Like, we've, we've been doing this a long time. We're, we're good people. We, we've done good things, right? Like, I said, what, what the heck does that mean? And he told me some guy read Romans 3, that Daniel read Romans 3 with him, and he said, man, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And, uh, and that night, God started a good work and that I took my Bible, uh, went to Georgia Southern's library. What kind of spell this guy put under me? I had a clue what I knew what I was reading, right? But I was going to read Romans to figure out what kind of spell this guy put, under, put on my, my brother, right? And man, though that was awesome, what really got me is who Brian started becoming. There was a hunger for God's Word. There was a, a love for Caitlin and that their marriage was, dude, it was, it was going to be done. And it just was, right? And I watched uh, him totally turn it around. Like God changed him and now he was different. And what got me is that he was living out in front of me and it was different than my life. And man, listen, like I, I, I saw him like restore that marriage and start raising a kid. And today, what's that been? 14, 15 years later, he's still loving Jesus. He's leading a connect group in Vidalia. He's loving his wife and God is working in their marriage, Amen. 
Hey, and listen, you clap for that. Listen, that's my little brother now. Y'all better clap for something. Listen. But that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. You hear me? He don't make us better. He makes us brand new. Right? And he changes lives. He restores marriages. And he does incredible things. And so I'm telling you today, that Romans 3 message that was shared to him, I'm sharing it with you. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And really, my main point of the sermon today is really simple. A relationship with God is all about Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to take that down with you. A relationship with God is all about Jesus. So I want you to read with me, starting in verse number 9. I'm going to read uh, through 18. Let me tell you this. The gospel is good news, but for good news to be good, you got to see some bad on the front end. You, you with me? So we're going, this is going to be talking bad about people, and I'm going to show you what I mean by this. So verse 9. It says, what, then shall, or what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Doggone, boy, that, that scripture will kill the high the Braves are giving us going to the World Series. Amen? Right? Some pretty rough passage here. Well, I want to share something with you. And the first thing I want you to take with you is we all have a problem. We all have a problem. Everyone in here, we all have a problem. Let me show you what I mean. Because in understanding this problem, we find the answer of why we need Jesus. We all have a problem. Now, the problem we see in verse 9 and 10. So let me explain. So in 9, he's saying, uh, what shall we conclude then? And what he's doing is he's just finished explaining uh, the difference between Jews, Gentiles, and if it's any better to be a Jew uh, or, or Gentile. And what that means is uh, Jews were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. They were the ones that God revealed the law to, that God said, you're going to be my nation, and the world will know uh, through my relationship with you, right? And so Gentiles are the rest of the world that are not Jewish. And so um, he, this is what he's saying. He says, uh, do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. Listen to me. The problem is the power of sin. Hear that again. We all have a problem. And the root of that problem, okay, well, what, what does that mean? Is the power of sin. And so you say, well, okay, well, what, what does that mean? Well, first we have to define sin. Many of us would say uh, sin is bad things we do, right? And, and it is. Some of y'all, man, y'all might have got a guy cut you off and you might have said something not so churchly on the way here, right? Amen? Well, I might have committed some sin when that kid was yelling in the back seat. I know it. Listen. But sin is deeper than this. Sin is the is a power. It's the power of sin that causes us to do things that are wrong. And sin, if you define it, it's actually an archery term, which means missing the perfection of God. 
There is God's holiness and perfection, and a sin is like shooting at a target. When you don't hit the bullseye, that's a sin. So any of us, if we've missed perfection, we are under the power of sin. Now, do I need to explain? Have we all not been perfect? Can we all just agree with that? So therefore, if that's true, we are all have the problem, right? And right, these are the ones that God revealed himself here. You know, I said the Jews, these are God's chosen people. Right? These are the ones that God revealed himself to. And the Gentiles were those that, that didn't get the law, that didn't grow up learning the law. Okay, Listen, it's very applicable to us and our backgrounds. Maybe some of us, you grew up like I did. And you kind of got some church in you. You got some good investment. Right? Like maybe some, you had some good opportunity to learn the Bible. And maybe for some, if we look back at lifestyle and family, it is a train wreck, right? Maybe life has grown up a train wreck in that, man, I, I have never been invested in church. I've never done that. Listen, I want you to take this with you and what we learn in this. Your background does not matter when it comes to God. Where you come from does not matter, right? It's not about that. It's not about Jew and Gentile. It's not about churched and unchurched. It's not about clean track record and, and, and a terrible track weather record. We are all level at the foot of the cross, and that's where I'm bringing you today. Background don't matter. Don't matter where we like the power, good and bad, you are. Now listen, take this with you, okay? We like the power to fix the problem. So we all have a problem. The power of sin is the problem. And we lack the power to fix the problem. So important. And here, notice I'm saying that word power again. Well, we need power to overcome this problem. So read with me and start in verse 10. It says, as it is written... There is no one righteous, not even one. We say, Buck, I'm a pretty good guy. Well, listen, this is righteousness compared to God's righteousness, right? That's perfection, and we miss it, right? Next, it says, there is no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God, right? And so what I want to let you know is, under the power of sin, we can't be made right with God. We may know something's wrong, but we can't be made right on our own. Listen, the next thing says, we can't understand. Maybe for some, man, you've been around it. You, you're like, man, I want to get my life better. I want it to go better than what it is. But listen, we don't have the power to understand God. Right? Like, we need something to come and to help us understand His Word. That's why I got up in that parking lot, and I didn't know nothing I was reading, because I, I had never saw God, and, and God had never given me the power uh, to understand it. And what I needed was a relationship with Jesus and His Spirit to help me. And that's a great disconnect, right? And so we don't have the power to understand it. And then it says we don't seek. Listen, if you have no desire to seek God, none, zero desire to seek God, I want to let you know, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with your heart, and that's because it's under the power of sin. right? Like People think, man, there's something weird. Church don't work for me. Listen, it's not about church. It's about Jesus and his power coming into your life. right? Listen, this is what it's saying. We don't seek, we don't have desire, because we can't conjure that up. We can't conjure that up. We need God to help us. And then it says what? There is uh, all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Man, this is harsh language. But listen, it's measured not to people's standards, but God's standards. 
And at God's standards, uh, our good works are like rags, is what the Bible says. Now go on, it says, uh, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing uh, and bitterness. So, man, he starts talking about words a lot right there, right? This because words are very important. Words are very important. He says that bad things come out of our mouth. We slander people. We talk about people. We, we curse. We say bad things, right? And, and you're like, man, where does this come from? Well, listen, Luke 9, 45 tells us uh, that what flows from the mouth comes from the heart. And it's such a great indicator of the heart as what's protruding out of the mouth. And what Paul is making clear here is that apart from Christ, we ain't got there yet. Remember, today's all about Jesus. I'm just telling you the bad news on the front end. And the bad news is uh, we things. And then it's out of God. And we say these things we don't want to say, and we do these things. And then it says what? It says, verse 15, Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. We hurt people. We do things that are wrong. Verse 17, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I, I want you to see, he's saying in, in the power of sin, we have no peace. And I think this is what speaks to people the most. See, God's been doing a lot in this community. Man, we got people coming to faith. Man, it is, it's been awesome. It just has been. But man, more and more of the conversations I have, you know what people are saying? Buck, I need peace. I need peace in my life. Something's not right, and I want to be made right. And this is what I'm talking about today. This, this is it. Isaiah 26.3, this won't be on the screen. It says, um, we keep in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast on him. This is promises God gives us to give us peace in turmoil. And then here's the chief thing. Chief problems of the problem, the power of no fear of God before their eyes. And one of the chief problems of the problem, the power of sin, is uh, we don't see God rightly, right? Remember, we talked about that. We don't see God rightly. We don't see him as creator God, as holy God, as reverent God, of, of God who has a plan, that the Bible's true, eternity's real, and we don't revere him, but rather we want to put him in our pocket in case things go bad in this world. We can pull him out, put some fairy dust on our problems, and they'll go away. Right, And so this is the start, is that we revere and we see a holy God who, who is, is perfect and right in all he does. Now listen, I know this is bad news, right? This does not give us the warm and fuzzies when Rosario hit the three-run jack, right? Woke up my whole house. But anyway, all right. But we got to understand it. And see, for me, um, when I understood the problem... My own story, when my brother came in and, and kind of shared this with me on that voicemail, listen, I was at a time, I've always been fairly athletic. I ain't real tall. Man, I had good friends. Man, I was having a good time. Always been fairly athletic. I ain't real tall. But anyway, um, like, like, you know, life was good. And I knew a lot of people that did not have life as good as me. Like, like a ton. And I should be grateful. I should be joyful. And the main thing, I should be at peace and have purpose. But when you got up under all that stuff, you know what I found? No peace and no purpose in my life. None. I had everything that people could want. Man, my parents were helping me pay for college. Man, thank you, Mom and Dad. Man, I messed some of that up. And I apologize. If you were recording this, Mom and Dad, I love you. But listen, I had no power, no purpose. Because, see, I was under the power of the problem. And it played itself out in private the way I lusted, um, the way I treated people. Uh, girls, the way I treated people, like it played itself out. 
right? And my sin, the problem, played itself out. And though the world might have thought I was pretty good, I knew the posture of my heart. And the question I had kept asking is, why am I not at peace? And why don't I have purpose in my life? And see, it starts with this. I want you to take this with you. We have to acknowledge that we have the problem, right? Now hear that. We have to acknowledge we have the problem. You remember the power of sin, that we're under the power of sin. It's just like uh, any addiction or if you have any problem, what's the first step? To acknowledge the problem, right? And so it's the same way with sin. We acknowledge the problem that something's not right, okay? Now, it's about to pick up a little bit from here. Verse 19, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world held accountable to God. So what he's doing is he is lumping the world, Jew and Gentile. It says, because of the law, we all are together with this problem. Listen, man, you're, you are, uh, we have something in common, everybody in this room. I don't care who you are, what you did last night. We all struggle and have the problem, right? And that's what he's saying. Now, verse 20, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Mm important. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. I want you to take this with you. The law reveals that we all have the problem. Hear that again. The law reveals that we all have the problem. So you're saying, well, but what is the law? Well, how many of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments? Heard that before? Maybe heard them in a Solomon courtroom, taught them as a kid. Well, the, the Ten Commandments are God's first, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. All these save his people. You know that thou shalt not, thou shalt not murder. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. All these laws. Well, um, this was the righteous standard that how we worship God and we're right with God, the Jews, is to obey these laws. Well, over time, uh, the Jews added 613. Could you imagine? Man, your picture of righteousness following 613 laws. One of them is you can't eat catfish. I'm out, right? So there were 613 laws to follow. And so you're like, well, daggone, man. Did, 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 is that really how we're made right with God? Is this a bunch of rules to follow? Well, sometimes you're, you may hear that in a sermon. You may hear that, hey, if you don't do blank, 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 uh, you're terrible and this is not going to go well right? Like you may be hearing these sorts of things. Well, I want to show you what God's teaching us here is that he is not showing us the full, full purpose of how to be right with him and how to fix the problem. No, what he's doing is exposing uh, the problem. And what he's saying is, I've got something greater than this law. If you've been following through with the greater story, Every story, we keep pointing to Jesus. We keep pointing to Jesus because that's what the law is doing. It's pointing to something greater. It's pointing, showing the problem, pointing to something greater. Uh, I'll give you this, okay? So when I was 14, I know this is going to shock everyone, um, I wasn't very tall, all right? Um, and I also was super skinny. Um, I didn't break 100 pounds until I came into the ninth grade. And so um, we were in summer league, uh, baseball, all-star, something or another. And, uh, and we were playing Metter. I'll never forget it. Uh, this kid hit puberty when he was like fifth grade. I mean, this guy is six foot, and he is throwing absolute gas, right? I mean, gas. And, uh, and my, myself, I'm up in there, and it's a full count. And, uh, and I stand in, and it's 3-2, so you know you got to lean in. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hit. He throws one high and tight. I turn into it. 
And that ball hits me flush right here. I mean, dude's throwing absolute gas. It, it hits me and rolls back to him. And uh, my dad always told me to be tough. So I go going down the first, and I start shaking my arm, and that thing's tingling. I'm like, man, that thing ain't working right. So I, I go down the first, and I'm kind of doing this number. Well, I look down at my arm, and that thing's making a V, right? <laughs> like that bone is like tickling the other one. And uh, I'm like, dang, this ain't good. My, and so, uh, I mean, we may have wasted some money. But uh, li- listen, um, they got me in the car, and where do you think my parents took me? To the hospital. And what did they take me to go and do? To get a what? To get an x-ray, right? Now, let me tell you what happened when I stuck my arm in an x-ray machine. First of all, that break was horrible, right? It showed a picture of the problem. And I knew my hand was not functioning right, and I couldn't see up underneath my skin, but I knew something wasn't right. And so I put my arm in that x-ray machine. And let me tell you what didn't happen, is I didn't pull my arm out, and it was fixed. You know why? Because that x-ray machine was not designed to fix this problem inside of me. It was designed to show me that I had a problem. Brother and sister, listen. The law, the Ten Commandments, and you following them perfectly will never be what it needs to be to fix the problem. It is the x-ray machine, not the doctor. Man, it's the x-ray machine. It's what shows us that we have a problem, and it points us to the doctor, and that is Jesus. Amen? And that's what it does. That's what Paul is telling us here, that it's not designed to fix us, but it's designed to show us we have a problem. And so I want you to apply this. Listen, okay? Um, it's that we have to embrace the reality of the condition, the condition with this problem. That our condition is we're broken. That's what the law is given for, okay? And what the condition is, is that we are fallen people in need of a Savior. And this is where Jesus starts getting real good, Right? But until we embrace the nature of where we are or where we've been for those that are in Christ, um, we can't see him for who he is. So listen, this is getting good right here. I want you to read verse 21 with me. That's what it says. God has been made apart from the law. The righteousness of God has been made known, okay? To which the law and the prophets testify. Understand, we, there's a righteousness. That means to be made right with God. You remember, we all talked about the power of the problem. We all have the problem. We need to be made right with God. It says that righteousness means to be made right with God. And it says it is apart from the law. It's different. It says to which the law and the prophets testify. What it's saying there is that the Old Testament hasn't been lying or God didn't make a mistake. He says all we've been reading through a greater story has been pointing us to a solution. That's what it's saying. It's progressive. And this righteousness, if you're taking notes in your Bible, is given. Highlight that. It's given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Background doesn't matter. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And all. Notice how many times he says all. God is no respecter of persons, man. He made an invitation to anyone. We sang the song about it. He says, you made a way for all to enter in. It says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. Take this with you. The gospel is the power of God given for salvation. The gospel is the power of God. That is what? Given, not earned, for salvation. And so take this with you. What gospel means is good news. 
right? We just talked about for 25 minutes uh, the bad news, but listen, take heart, brother and sister. This is the good news of what God did for us, right? Man, I'll, I'll never forget. Listen, have you, ever, have you ever had someone give you a gift that you know you didn't deserve? And maybe it was a year like you basically uh, had your own desk in ISS or something, right? And your parents like give you the best Christmas ever. And you even get that in 64, showing off my age, right? Um, and you're thinking, dude, I did not deserve this, right? This is what he's saying is that he gives us a gift, and man, this is what he gives us. He gives us his righteousness. He gives it. He says uh, his righteousness is given, not earned, not worked for. And it is the power to make us right with God. It is the power to make us spiritually alive. It is the power to save all people. And remember, all have the problem. Background don't matter. God did what only he could do to give us his righteousness and to take our sin. Amen? That's what we're talking about today. The Bible tells us in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It says it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, right? And so listen, um, Romans 5.8 says this, and I want you to think about something here. That as the law exposes the problem, maybe your problem runs real deep. Maybe you've done some things, man, you know you're not proud of. I, I know I have. I want you to meditate on the things that, that, that maybe keep you from, from Jesus, that keep you from receiving him. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, it says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means when you were at your worst, the payment had already been paid for. Man, he already did that. He went to the cross and made a way available to all. So in Christ, Jesus saves us. He justifies us. And I want to talk about that word for just a second. Justifies means just as if you had never sinned. Man, he don't just make you better. Like, he pays for it. It's like going into a courtroom knowing you're guilty and your defendant says, hey, get him off the stand. I'm taking the payment. We're going to have justice met and he gets to go free. It's a legal term and that's what... Jesus does for us. And then lastly, we see this word, redemption, in verse 24. Think about when you redeem tokens. Right? Think about redemption, like, like redeeming a token. Like when you have a token, maybe you've been up there and you've been killing some skee-ball or something, right? Like you ever been to a carnival? You know, and you're, you're getting these tickets, man. You're getting these tickets and you're, you're gaining these tickets. And what do you go do with these tickets? You turn them in to redeem a prize, right? To redeem a prize. And see, this is what Jesus has done for us. He redeems us. Redemption. And what he turns in is he gives his righteousness. Because see, what Jesus did is that perfect mark I've been talking about, he hit it. He did it. He was God in the flesh. He did what you and I could never do in a million lifetimes. I don't care if you lock yourself in a closet and become like a monk or something. He did what you and I could never do. Right? He, he perfectly met it. He did the requirement to be right. And what we do when we come to Christ in faith is we bring him our imperfections. We, he, we bring him the things we're not proud of. He takes them on himself. And what he did on the cross was taking it 
And he gives us his perfect righteousness. And now when God sees us, he sees perfection. He sees Jesus' perfection covering us. Remember when I told you what we're about here? It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done. It's not about our own goodness, our own glory, none of that. And everything I just said, why don't you take this with you? This series is about heart and soul, what it means to be heart and soul here at the church and what God's called us to do. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about those things and what God is gonna do through this place and what he wants for your life and how we want to partner with you. We wanna love you. We wanna do life with you. We're gonna eat chili with you. Our kids are gonna play together and these great things. But listen, we cannot afford to miss the gospel. On the front end, we cannot afford this. This is, if you wanna know my greatest heart, my greatest heart is that you would know Jesus to grow up in him. That's it. That's the best thing I could do for, as a pastor. That is the most loving thing I could do. And man, that is what we cannot afford to miss. Because God's still in the business of taking our sin and shame and giving us his righteousness. And you say, if, if that's a gift, right? Like if that's a gift, how do I receive this gift? How do I get God's righteousness? Take this with you. The gift is received through faith in Jesus Christ. The gift is received through faith in Jesus Christ. So what is faith? Okay, Faith, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it's the evidence of things hoped for and the assurance of what we do not yet see. And man, the evidence of salvation, the evidence is a life of faith. Now, it's not your good works, but man, it is living a life of faith, walking in faith, desiring the things of God, that, that is the evidence of our faith. And listen, there's nothing anyone can do in here to earn this message. Man, it is simply something to receive through faith. And man, that's an incredible, incredible thing. Because maybe some came wanting to get better. Maybe some came because somebody tricked you into it. <laughs> maybe some came because you're here to see somebody get baptized. But what I want to let you know is this. Salvation is not about becoming better. It's about becoming brand new. Hear that again. Salvation is not about becoming better. It's about becoming brand new. And so today, as we get ready, man, and we're about to celebrate baptisms, uh, we're about to celebrate people that what they've done, they have said yes in Christ, right? They have come to faith in Jesus. And we're gonna celebrate that together. But what I want you to know today is this is that we don't have to wait two weeks. If today is the day, you're like, man, I just heard this in my heart for real. And man, I need to receive this by faith. Man, what we're gonna do is give you that opportunity uh, to respond. We're not gonna come and, and talk to you. We'll talk to you after service. But man, I just give an opportunity uh, to, to raise your hand in faith and say, man, I, I'm tired of, I, I want Jesus. I wanna receive the gospel. And I want to get this new life in Christ you're talking about, Bob. So let me give that opportunity and I'll give us some instructions. Bow your heads, let's play. Father, we love you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word, man. Thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. God, thank you that you did for us what we could never do for ourselves. God, that in Christ, we are made right, we are made new. And God, as we serve, God, as we give, as we uh, worship as we um, as we uh, love as we everything we do is a response to what you've done, and we can't afford to miss the gospel. We can't afford to to see you as you are. Man, I, I love it, God. I love you so much. I thank you 
for this word. And right now, if there's someone here and say, man, this is, this is for me today. And I know, man, I do not have a relationship with Jesus. I've never repented of my sin. I've never said yes to Christ. And a, a real relationship started. Maybe you grew up like me and you've been close, you've been around it, but nothing has started on the inside. But you say, today that changes. I want a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand with every head bowed, every eye closed? Is that anyone here today would say yes to Christ? Amen. Lord, I just want to continue to pray for everyone in the room. God, I pray that today would be such a wonderful celebration because what we are celebrating are many that have said yes to you. God, many that have said yes to Christ. And God, it just encourages me that you're not done. God, you're still working. You're still moving. You're still good. You're faithful. Man, I love you. God, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for what you're doing in this church. God, what you're doing in this room. We just say thanks in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.